And welcome to another episode of the Dynasty Trades HQ Podcast. My name is Michael Sipes. You can find me on Twitter at FFBlitz. And I'm here with my partners, Jeremy Brown. You can find me on Twitter at Dynasty Madman. Yeah, I know that's a little different. I just updated it. It used to be at DFF underscore Madman. I just went for the flat out Dynasty. So it's at Dynasty Madman. All one word. Yeah, it's a lot cleaner looking. It's kind of cool looking. Dynasty Madman. Um, and uh, Shane Manila. Hey, this is Shane Manila. So, Jeremy, uh, I sent Jeremy a trade offer. <laughs> um, I saw it. Yeah, I, I and, uh, So, my offer, which was reasonable, was uh, <laughs> Michael Evans. Um, I'm just going to bring it up right now. Sorry, Trajan <laughs> offers. Any oh, franchise, dude. that would be me. Shane. sacred, right? Yeah. Manila. Uh, <laughs> how do I spell my name? At DFO. Okay, underscore Shane. Um, 16 team. Apparently, there's a small tight end premium, super flex. Uh, you start 11 players. I offered him uh, one Michael Evans. And. Uh, oh, and a third, third rounder and a fourth rounder yeah, fourth. for yep. the depreciating asset that is Jared Goff. Uh huh. <laughs> and then Jeremy um, yeah. belligerently, uh-huh. belligerently, it wasn't uh, belligerent. He was belligerent about it. Sent me a counter. Uh huh. Said you can have Jared Goff, but you will also take Eric Ebron, who's actually unemployed. So technically, he's not an NFL player at this time. <laughs> and a 2025th, which, as you know, there are 16. No, no, yes. 16 teams. Uh-huh. So the fifth round that makes that the pick 30. That's pick 98. That's um, valuable, man. Uh huh. Pick 98 in the rookie draft for Michael Evans. Uh, the 107 <laughs> and uh, Andrew Locke. Ah. Better known as Drew, Drew Locke. Locke. Yes, yes. Better known that, as rap artist. Yeah. yeah, so that was, he was belligerent in that offer, and I immediately um, recoiled and rejected that. <laughs> well, yours is still on my page. I, I, we might be able to make something happen, but neither of us ha- would, well, I have two quarterbacks because I have Baker, Baker Mayfield plus Jared Goff. You and you Tyrod only have That's all you have. Yeah, can, literally. That's yeah. Can I say something? I, I want to say Certainly. something because in my inbox, I have a trade also from one Shane Manila for the exact same pieces for one of mm. my quarterbacks. Actually, I added a fifth. You did know. add a fifth. Which he just more. pointed but, out but, is in the 90s. No, no, no. But well, you know what's great? That's not correct. But no, no. But, actually, <laughs> it's in the fifth round, 16 teams. That would be 30. That's pick 80. It's it's yeah. actually the very last pick of the draft because Larry Monkey won the league and it's his fifth round. Oh, pick. So it's pick 117. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but what's funny is I saw it when I was getting the show ready and I, and I was looking at it, but the similar to what, uh, Jeremy just said is I only have two quarterbacks as well. So if I trade one of my quarterbacks away and you know who I, the one I have left is, uh, Philip Rivers, who apparently yeah, right now doesn't have a job. Bay. Yeah, I know. I saw what Jameis Winston did there. <laughs> Breaking news. Phil Rivers is actually signed with Tampa Bay. No, he did not. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, I, I could see that though. The, I, and you know, there's a cool, there's just a lot to talk about in future shows going forward. Just, um, even just projecting what will happen. So much is going to happen with the quarterbacks, you know, a carousel of quarterbacks this year. It's really interesting. Andy Dalton, Philip Rivers, who knows about Jameis Winston, um, 
you know, on and on. Eli Manning retiring really isn't the peak of, uh, of uh, man, we haven't even talked about that yet. Sorry. No, we didn't get There's to no, any of it like, yet. You know, get the news. I, I was, gave him a cool nickname. Ready? I was, yeah, go ahead. What's okay, it? So Eli Manning announced Eli today. Manning. Yes, today he, it happened. It was announced by the Giants that he's going to retire um, uh-huh. and he's going to hold a press conference. It's just silly to me. Like, we have to have a press conference for you to tell us you're going to retire when you told us today. Like, you couldn't have just said it. So my nickname for him is Captain Average. Nice. <laughs> well, because so why? He, What's his career record? He retires with a career record of 117 and 117. <laughs> and anyone that thinks he's a Hall of Famer is incorrect. I won't say you're stupid. I will just say you're incorrect. Um, the only reason his numbers look decent is because he played for 15 years, 16 years. Um, so his counting stats look good. The they reason the reason I made that breath noise is way back when, two years ago when we started the podcast, we talked once about whether he was a Hall of Famer. And, and people were saying he was just because he had two Super Bowl rings and two MVPs from those Super Bowl rings. And at the time, I remember it was a big debate whether we thought he should be or not. And that was two years ago. Uh, I still thought back that, then he did he shouldn't be. But yeah. Based on that criteria, that means Doug Williams should almost be a Hall of Famer. Exactly. Trent Dilfer should almost be a Hall of Famer. Nick Foles. Um, well, no, he Nick won. Foles is a Hall of Famer. <laughs> you know, just, but I'm just saying, it. that's what people were saying at the time. And we were saying that it was no good. I, I did see one of the best tweets I saw today was somebody said something about, it doesn't matter about any of those records. He should have, his birthday should be a holiday because he beat the Patriots twice in Super Bowl and he stopped them from uh, having a perfect season of 19-0. and so yeah, it's just true, for those that, reasons, that is his one claim to fame. I mean, you know, three different things, but I mean, beating the Patriots it, because nobody else did. Um, beating the Patriots is really his thing. That's it. That's all he has, and that he's Peyton Manning's brother. I mean, otherwise, that guy is like Shane said, Captain Average. I mean, I don't, well, I don't hate on him like a lot of people do because he did make some re- receivers relevant that probably wouldn't have been. But I don't think that speaks to his quarterbacking. I mean, he kind of needed to do that. He had to have passed to someone. I just think he's the most average guy ever. And um, he had a couple of good ends to a few a few good ends to a few seasons, you know, trying to impress his brother up in the press box for those games, I think. But <laughs> I mean, just it, it's it's absurd that they talk about him in, in um, the Hall of Fame when there are so many great memorable do-gooders players out there that still are trying to get in i mean that's the thing like it's because he's a quarterback i i don't care if he gets in i guess it's not going to hurt my feelings or anything but i do think some of the there's double standards with the positions that people play that get them into the hall of fame like shane's pointing out he's so freaking average it's a it's absurd famous for uh eli faces well, <laughs> but that's the best Eli thing face. about the guy is his nonverbal yeah. communication is classic. But it's also, just, you just know, it's... every time you look at him, like this noise comes to mind. Do, do, do. <laughs> Eeyore. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's all. Sorry, Michael. That's okay. It's also politics, too. You know, the his dad, uh, Peyton, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, and, and, and for a New York team, maybe. I mean, you know, on and on, beating the Patriots, all of a sudden those things that. You know, other quarterbacks could have possibly done, but you add them up and it, it boosts him full, right. you know, maybe beyond what he, what he should be as far as um, uh, observation. I'm sure he's going to get into the Hall of Fame. I, sure. I have no doubt about it. 
Yeah. And whatever. You know, at least he did beat the Patriots. That's true. Because Patriot fans are horrible now. They would be completely insufferable then. <laughs> oh, I know. They had I never more pulled wins. for the Giants, but I did, I did root for them to beat the Patriots. And when they did it, it, those few years were, you know, I was actually happy. Because the Patriots normally, when they get that far, you know, they win. At the time, it was funny because Michael Jr. was like five years old or whatever. And people would ask, who's your favorite football team? And he would say, the Dolphins and the Giants. And people would always say, why the Giants? And he would say, because they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and he was like a five-year-old kid you know but he would tell good that kid, to people good kid. yeah good kid, good <laughs> exactly so the other news we had was uh it looks like we have a hiring over at the Jags yeah you're a Jag that's not yeah, nice. you're a J- we're, you're a Jag <laughs> we're a bunch of Jag offs um but they yeah, have man, a new OC I, what do you guys think about that I, I I you know I saw that today right Jay Gruden being hired or maybe it was last night offensive coordinator for the for the Jaguars and I did get a bit excited because I'm thinking about, you know, the mustache ride down there in Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, you, Shane, I know Shane how he feels about Nick Foles. He probably will already tell you that Nick Foles should be backing up Gardner, Gardner Minshew. But I really think that's true. Um, I think they should go with Minshew. But the excitement is Jay Gruden coupled with, you know, this mobile, you know, scrappy quarterback. It, it, you know, I don't know if anything will come of it, but it, it seems like a, you know, a recipe for success, like a, a match made in heaven kind of setup. What do you guys think? I mean, I got excited for sure for fantasy football. So I just, yeah, you know, I jumped on the whole, uh, the internet. Somebody did some uh, research on this. Yeah, so I just wanted to see, you know, how is QBs have fared. Um, Mm -hmm. So out of a nine-year career, uh, either, and I'm not counting the um, Arena Football League, because I I could not (laughs) find fantasy stats on those. Um, but I will say that his quarterbacks routinely threw for 50 plus touchdowns. Um, so, and Andy yeah. Dalton, you know, I know he did well with Jay Gruden as part of the reason it propelled him to becoming a head coach was the success that Jay Gruden had in Cincinnati. Um, yeah, so and he had, Dalton did look good during those years. Like those were the only years. He had his so, best year with him in 2013, but yeah, he also had a, a QB 13 season in 2012. Um, Kirk Cousins uh, played three full seasons under him, um, and he was the QB eleven, the QB six, and the QB seven in those years. Wow! And I, you know, I took out the quarterbacks that didn't play ten games because they don't count. Um, sorry, if you can only play nine games, I'm not going to count you for a season. So I think it was a uh, 2017 Deshaun Watson. Would, he would have dropped down to like the QB nine if you added in the injured guys. But either way. Even the quarterback 11 year with Cousins, you know, 6, 7, and 11, he placed those three years, well, 11, 6, and 7, and then 21, 13, and 7. But five of those six years you have there are are top half, you know, fantasy quarterbacks. Yeah, and you figure, I mean, he's got had QB one seasons in four of the six seasons. So uh, what I started to say is he's, he's had <laughs> six seasons where only one quarterback has primarily started for him. He's also had seasons where, you know, he had the 2019 season where he got fired. So I didn't look at that. And the 2018 <laughs> season when he had Alex Jones, Colt McCoy, uh, Trigger Jones, Happy Gilmore, and uh, Slappy <laughs> McGillicuddy uh, at quarterback. So I didn't look at that either. <laughs> yeah. And then the 2014 season, I think, I don't know. I forget what that was. That might have been RG3 played a little bit and then Cousins played a little bit. But yeah, so he had six seasons where, he, you know, he, the quarterback started at least, you know, 12 to 15 and 16 of the games. And for those six seasons, he's produced a QB one. So that's not bad. So based like on it, what yeah. you're saying, based on what you're saying, then Gardner Minshew's value is going to go up. 
hey, guard, wh- whoever so. the starter is down there, because yeah. they haven't they haven't given any any indication as to who is. Um, I think it'd be favorable for Foles too. I mean, honestly, I, I don't. See, I mean, I think it's quarterback friendly uh, that that system that he runs. And I, you know, my hope is that they go with Minshew because I think it, as far as fantasy goes, you know, that guy's got wheels and he's not afraid to use them. And it's just more exciting to watch. Better for fantasy, but hell, man, if Foles is, if Foles can become the guy that you know won for Philadelphia and racked up stats at the ends of those seasons. Yeah, sure. Great. It's funny for that's all I want (laughs) for marketing and for money value and for fan value. I mean, Minshew was crazy there in Jacksonville with all the the stuff that they sold. I read today in a couple different places that they say this is bad for Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I need to look up the stats. But what he I mean, he but what he did was, you know, a lot of people are at least thinking of the Chris Thompson error. Um, where he had a guy that would be a two-down back and then use Chris Thompson as the receiving back. I mean, is there? I, I kind of think there's nowhere for Fournette to go but down anyway. Yeah. Um, I know that positive touchdown regression is, is in his cards because he didn't score much, but I can't believe that he's going to have 70 receptions again ever in my lifetime. Um, <laughs> right. I mean, you know, regardless of who the coach is. That, yeah. That is what we call an anomaly, um, but you know I could be wrong. I, 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 I don't even want to speculate. I mean, Leonard Fournette, he's just a guy I'm not buying anyway. Yeah. Um, and also he's the devil because I'm looking at his career <laughs> rushing attempts. What? Guess how many he has? Oh, it's going to be what six six six. Six six six. That's uh, so Leonard Fournette's the devil, and that's a number really of scary. Is that really yeah, true? A beast. Oh my god! Yeah. So he had, yeah, he had seventy six receptions last year and a hundred targets. Um, those two numbers are more than he had in his first two seasons combined. Oh. So that kind of felt like it was an anomalous situation, anyway. Yeah. Uh, who knows? I mean, Raquel Armstead isn't going to be the receiving back down there. So they're right. going to have to draft someone if that's the plan. Now, if they draft someone early, well, then Fournette would have been dinged anyway. Um, if someone's going to sell low on Fournette now, if you can get him for really cheap, just grab him. Yeah. Well, grab him. You know, we, him right now. we did have one other thing on the news thing, but there's really no point in even talking about this guy with Antonio Brown being crazy. So, yeah. all right, well, we do have a guest tonight, but um, I guess what we'll do is let's get Chris on the line. But hey, we never did mention who our news was brought to you by. Oh, it's brought to, brought to you by fantasydata.com. Um, if you're looking for advanced metrics and advanced efficiency stats, check out fantasydata.com and sign up today using promo code TRADESHQ. Sweet. All right, let's get Chris. So we're back and uh, we have Chris in the room. <laughs> yeah but i'm just laughing because things that people didn't hear when we were all talking oh wait shane shane wants to introduce you he's already told us like three times go ahead at chris allen ffwx uh he's a writer for four for four (laughs) um the number four word four number four uh also a writer for number fire all one word and he is uh, the co-host of the Dynasty Manual podcast with Adam, who hopefully won't join us tonight. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, do. I, I don't know why Shane wanted to introduce you. I don't know what Shane, Shane – first of all, he wrote that. Right now? Chris hey, is a great follow on Twitter, a great guy, 
a, a really superb uh, analyst, uh, fun to compete with in <laughs> fantasy leagues and dynasty leagues. And um, yeah, applied mathematics. You got to tell us about that. No, no it's it's <laughs> it's really boring, actually, because it's it really just sound a, boring. Uh, it's taking mathematical concepts and just applying them like with real world application. So most of the stuff I teach like has to do with applying it to like business applications. So it can be something as simple as talking about uh, like finance. It could be as simple as talking about like how you uh, like how you process data, but at like a very basic level. Like but, I so I talk about level. most people would yeah, say at a practical, practical level in layperson lay terms, kind of math. Yeah, uh, yeah. A, a lot of it's like a, a lot of it's geared towards business because that's mm-hmm. the easiest thing for a lot of students to I guess to to relate to. Understand. So if we're talking about like. Yeah, calculating like gross earnings and stuff like that, or even doing like the basics of taxes, mm-hmm. like it's just stuff like that. We're happy to have you on the show. Um, people might not know it, or listeners may not know it, but you're part of the Ohio Fantasy Football League, the Dynasty League we started with a bunch of people, um, Ian Hartitz, Bob Long, uh, so many people. I'm not going to say who won it because I don't want to brag about myself, but I do want to say <laughs> that um, it was a very competitive uh. league and uh, looking forward to the rookie draft when we have our barbecue. You <laughs> might not know how good you are at barbecuing and um, brewing beer. I know we made uh, some jokes early on. Yeah. A- anytime Jeremy wants to mention that he wins something, he always prefaces it by saying, "I don't want to brag," and then he says it. Um, <laughs> right. So, right. Chris, right. With, with what you with what you teach and everything, does that did that help you get the jobs that you have now in the dynasty community and everything? Do you use any of that for what you do? Um, Chris, yes, Chris and doesn't no, believe uh, because... in market share. That, that's absolutely true, but we'll get into that later because market right. share is just a myth. We talked about this earlier. I, I, I can uh, relate to this, so I can't wait for <laughs> that conversation. Thanks for interjecting, Shane, but let's let him finish. Right. Uh, but no, I'm, a, I'm an engineer by trade, so all my like mathematical background comes from that. So I'm a mechanical engineer, so it, and on my like quote-unquote day job, considering I'm like on Twitter either like laughing at something that Shane posts or anybody else that we normally <laughs> associate with. Uh, but... Uh, I'm a mechanical engineer. I work for a, a defense contractor, so I do. I'm a structural analyst for them. So, and also a systems engineer. So, like all of my mathematical background comes from that. So, like anything that any if you've written, like if you've read anything that I've written, like most of the analytical portions of it come from uh, mm-hmm. anything that I've learned throughout college, like throughout undergrad or grad school. So then, what is this that you that both Shane and Jeremy both agreed that you don't believe in market share? Uh, well, just let me let me say this uh, first. Um, cr- Chris and Chris myself are uh, we are joshing, um, yes, because we're at a thread uh, with uh, one Peter Howard. Um, and if you don't follow Peter Howard, you really should uh, on Twitter because he might not be able to. Yeah, he might not be able to speak English really well. He can't spell a, very well, but he, he when he does yeah, advance thoughts, they're true. very smart thoughts. Yeah. yeah, he is an analytical uh, uh, savant. Um, yes. <laughs> and uh, he was posting about market share today, and uh, about 56 different people responded to him saying, yeah, but did you know they went to school with these other wide receivers? <laughs> so maybe that's why their market share was low. Yeah. <sighs> So we decided to troll Peter a little bit. So if Peter ever listens to this show, I hope he knows that me and Chris really don't believe in market share. We do believe it's a myth. Right. It's absolutely it's a myth. I think I put in there, it goes like Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and then uh, <laughs> college market share. I, I mean, those I are those that myths. analogy before, yeah. too. That's the greatest. Yeah. That, that, I mean, they're absolutely myths. We do not yeah. know if they exist. Uh, so wait, you don't believe in market share, Jeremy? 
Yeah, I do believe in market share. I believe also that um, there are holes in uh, the metrics that use it as a predominant factor. It it has failed, and, and the only and guys like Chris Bean, I'm not sure where it's at because I'm not a mathematic guy. I'm not a mathematical person. I use data. I, I also watch tape. I understand football. I combine those two things. Um, there are things I don't understand, but I trust the the data that comes out of it. And it's it's uh, led me to things like Juju Smith-Schuster, Michael Thomas, and other players. Uh, in the case of players like Michael Thomas, whose market share wasn't you know exactly what you would want it to be, and even um, from Ohio State as well, Terry McLaurin. But there are players that sort of break the mold. And the only thing that a guy like Christopher Bean can use to describe the failure to identify those players is they're outliers. Well, yeah, they are outliers in that data set, but why? What are you missing that's not that's not letting you see that these players, with all the other things that they bring, speed, athleticism, and other numbers, why that's market share is, I guess, weighted more than uh, those, like the ratio of market share to those other things, why does it not let you see with your data sets those players are um, as valuable as the ones with market share? I'm just, there's something going you're, on you're, that I can't put my finger on. numbers. No, I mean, I, you're no I'm not looking at the data. wrong numbers. No, I'm telling you. <laughs> no, I'm not no, looking no. at the wrong no, numbers listening. because I'm no. seeing those players. <laughs> I'm saying that those when I say you, I'm speaking about the collective you. No, calling Terry McLaurin an outlier. You're naming one guy. Outlier in that naming one guy out of a thousand. That's why he's an outlier. You don't understand what outlier. No, 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 no. He's an outlier based on market share. Well, he's also an outlier on, on a bunch of things, breakout but, age but, and things like that. But talking about an outlier sure. in market share, the two of us talking about this is like two two meatheads trying to figure it out. <laughs> we actually need Chris to talk <laughs> about it, not, not you. I love Explain that. To, I love that Chris and I. Explain yeah. this to all of us and our listeners. And Shane, <laughs> he, he likes data, but he does struggle with math. So make it like talk slowly. Uh, well, I would say that uh, that with the the argument behind market share, I think is it's it makes sense like the side that you're coming from, Jeremy, in that uh, you can't take just like one number and then that just describes like the, an entire prospect. I don't think anybody really believes that. Yeah. But at the uh, but on the but on that same like pulling on that same thread though, there should be some thresholds that you would expect like some players to hit. So even in the case of like Terry McLaurin and Michael Thomas, or even if you want to roll back to last year when we were talking about like uh, AJB, like DK Metcalf, and like so, like guys that were, I mean, just like legitimate NFL prospects, but like their market share numbers really weren't like just like sky high, you know, with like they weren't hitting like some of those thresholds that we were saying like, okay, these guys are going to be. But once they hit the NFL, they're going to be wide receiver ones or whatever. So I understand the idea that there sh there needs to be context applied to in some cases. But at the same time, again, they're if they're going to if they're not hitting those thresholds now because market share does account for like the entire like the team's target volume and all exactly. that. Uh -huh. But if they're not hitting those thresholds now and they're going to the NFL to compete with other elite like wide receivers or at least that not let's take that back not elite wide receivers, but let's just say other prospects or other talent, you know, that should be at the professional level, then at least there's, I think there's a cause for concern. Now to, I guess, to, who who's the guy that we were talking about? Shane? There, there's like, some really pause like, there. Um, well, yeah. it, it was just our buddy, Chris Bean, um, Christopher Bean, who, who, you know, is really good with numbers too, but his explanation for some of those, for, for some of the players 
in with market share is that they are outliers. But we're we're talking about MS MS alone, not all, mm-hmm. not every. He's not an outlier. Yeah. Period. Obviously, but an outlier in the case of market share. And and I don't argue with really his term. I'm just saying that explaining it that with that player being an outlier really doesn't give enough. Um, it's a way to explain it away without explaining it. Yeah, well, I, no. I would agree. With I you, mean, I, it's just kind of an, ex, an, an excuse, but something's missing when we're when that's when he's talked about as an outlier in market share. I guess that's my. No, that, like, there's a but at least in Terry to, McLaurin's that, case, wrong, I mean, there were like his athletic metrics, like were they were off the charts. So at least if you have, yeah, I mean, with the speed and all that, I mean, I think from an athletic testing standpoint, there should have been at least enough there in other areas that should that could have led you down the path to seeing him be at least a, a you know a decent wide receiver. And lo and behold, I mean, we saw his rookie season. I mean, d- right. you know, depending on the, which phase of his rookie season that she won and efficiency and there are lots of things to look at and so while i value market share i'm just saying that it's like you pointed out there are other factors you have to look at to give that more context than just looking at if you were to just look at um you know a chart and and um you know tables of market share data there's got to be something to lend to, to to shed more light on that than just looking at it alone that's all i meant um, no one's looking at it alone, though. You're looking at it with draft capital and things like that. But you don't need to look at tape for any of it, though. I mean, if we're being quite uh, <laughs> not frank. not for market share, no. That's no. I'm saying know. for anything, for any for any prospect, Still you don't need to football. watch an ounce of tape. Um, but anyway, we were talking about uh, Henry Ruggs. Yeah, that's I think what it he was, was at yeah. like a sixteen percent. Yeah, sixteen seven. Something low. Yeah, yeah, some somewhere low and. And that's actually what uh, Peter tweeted out. And as soon as I saw him tweet it out, I was like, oh, this is going to wow, be fun. Come so I retweeted yeah. <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I did, um, like 13 seconds later, someone was like, yeah, but he was in school. He went to school with or, you know, he played with Jerry Judy and Waddle. And um, yeah, I, I forget who else. Uh, uh, Thomas Devontae, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, like 15 different times. Um, they came at him, and then a couple yeah. people noted that, yeah, but if he, he's on a higher, that's not fair because he might be on a lower volume offense than another offense. So those are some of my favorite threads with him and others that um, have to defend themselves um, when the masses come. But those are pretty entertaining. Um, all across, and this time of year is the perfect time of year for it. Oh yeah, that's when folks like I mean, folks like Peter are perfect for. I think at the very least, uh, not necessarily contextualizing things, but at least giving enough historical references that back up his arguments. Like yeah. when folks come for him with arguments like, well, he's playing with other uh, he's playing with they're playing with other NFL prospects. Well, you can just roll back a couple of years and be like, well, we've seen other examples of prospects playing with other so NFL many prospects. Offenses that good. Today, right, so many different offenses. But yet they were able to hit those thresholds or at least give us glimpses of those so that, I mean, the argument really doesn't hold true in a lot of cases. And so I'm not I, on I think, the side of those guys arguing with Pot uh, either, uh, for sure. Um, yeah, I just, and, contextualizing it is is exactly where I want to where I want to be with the data. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of data out there, not just market share and so many things to, uh, you know, to look at. What are some of your favorite you know, pieces of data to look at this time of year, and what do you favor? Um, you know, maybe more than other data. What do you um, what do you look at? Because the only the only real things that we have at this point, because we don't have things like uh, forty times or like athletic testing sure. and all that. I mean, you can use, you can use yeah. 
yeah, you can use tape to kind of give you an idea of what they might run from a like on, from a speed perspective, and you can even see in some cases, especially for running backs, like what their agility might be. Um, but at least the things that I'm looking for, yeah, market share for sure. Um, I, I try and see. Like, I don't think there's a lot of it out there. I know people have started taking stabs at it, but if I can look at air yards or at least get an idea of what mm-hmm. their uh, what their air yards were, so at least I can find out like what type of receiver they were. Uh, and then also, yeah, I think I think those are the two key points, at least for me, because at least the the players that, or at least the types of players that I mostly pay attention to are wide receivers. That's just been my preferred position to look at. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just more for because I like the nuance of the position because you can have, uh, I mean, a bunch of different types of wide receivers. I mean, where I I don't really see that nuance in other positions. So I've liked right. I've just preferred to follow wide receivers. That's just yeah. been my thing, Chris. Yeah. Let me ask you this, and I think I know the answer to this due to, to your leanings. What's your favorite metric? Uh, expected points added. Say okay, that's... so I was wrong. <laughs> expected points I was going to ask like, you if that's what you're going to think, Shane. <laughs> while it's not a while it's not a predictive stat, I think mm-hmm. EPA gives us the best, uh, I guess, the best descriptor of how much like that play was worth. And I mean, it translates it translates across positions, right? You can look at, I mean, using down distance, you know, all the all the like different points that would wind up like going into the model in order to figure out how much that play was worth. And I think that's probably the closest we're going to get to figuring out like the true value of a play. So I know a lot of folks, I think some folks like wind up looking at, uh, you know, like impact plays and like juke rate and like break all that other stuff. But I think when you look at EPA, I think it really gives you just like the truth of how much that play actually added to the game itself. Because I think when it comes to the uh, like the whole running backs don't matter, like, you know, conversation and defenses, like any of those like doesn't matter conversations. But yeah. if you go back and actually look at the plays like kind of surrounding uh, the, the the ones that people want to highlight the most, you can just look at it. Okay, well, it added, you know, four or five points. But so that was actually like that was really important. That was a good it play. It did matter, right? It did matter. Like that actually did matter. I think EPA like calculates that and it gives us like one like one value that us uh, that gives you I guess a a good description of how much that play actually mattered in context. But how does that translate? But how does that translate to fantasy though? To to points it, right like, now it does it. right I mean, that's, that's what i'm saying that's it doesn't yeah yeah but, but you can look at you can, it, yeah, like, you can look at something like scott's got um scott barrett's got expected fantasy points mm-hmm. um, i love that i love that yeah too, but way. again it's a, it, but again it's well, not no, it's a, a true fantasy f- stat right yeah, it's a fantasy stat it's a expected fantasy points um and but I don't feel like explaining to you. Just read the article, but it does translate I, to fantasy. It tells you. I mean, it's a good thing to look Scott at Baird when you're looking. Scott explained this to us a couple of times, so yeah, yeah and it, did that for you, right? But I, I'm talking to Chris about what he just said is his favorite right. thing. Okay, I'm not fine. talking about what Scott says. I mean, you <laughs> I just sound really saying. smart right now, but <laughs> I, I, I was. Sorry, we're, we're talking to Chris. Chris. I'm trying we'll to ask. To him yeah, I'm, try, I'm asking uh, Chris, Chris how we're that. Not <laughs> Except your answer, we would like a fantasy-related one. No, fantasy that wasn't the. No, 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 no. Your answer's fine. I was your just asking great. you. You said mm-hmm. that that's your favorite. So I'm asking yeah. you, how does that translate to to fantasy? Is what I meant. If that's your oh, favorite okay. in just real world, then yeah, that how makes does it sense. Translate but how does that translate that's into fantasy? Is my is my so point. So at least for uh, for me, the way that I look at uh, EPA and try and translate it to fantasy is that mm-hmm. so for 
players that I'm interested in or like for over at 444 I do the quarterback streamer article each week. Oh. So I do try and look at EPA, the EPA per play and also total EPA throughout games to try and sort through the uh, the quarterbacks that I think have the like the likeliest path to uh, to being a QB1 each week. So if they are players that like while they might have like popped like the week before or even if they struggled, I do try and go back and look at like what their EPA per play was in order to figure out, okay, well, how are they struggling? Like if there was, you know, something against the defense or was it because of drop? So the EPA is a part of like my process to determining whether or not like a quarterback actually was adding value to the game or if they were just they just weren't playing well. Because I think a lot of uh, like throughout I forget which weeks it was. But it was shortly after the first couple of weeks after the whole like I'm seeing ghosts thing with Sam Darnold, <laughs> I, I went back and t- right. I went back and took a look at like his his EPA and you can kind of see it was it was trending up, but his but like these yardage totals like weren't really there and it, like, it just wasn't translating into fantasy. But you could see if you looked at like his like his EPA totals throughout the, they were like slowly coming back. And then it wasn't until probably like what weeks like nine and ten when you really started to see that translate to fantasy. But if you went to EPA, you could see like that was starting to the, uh, slowly starting to trend up, and then his fantasy scores wound up catching up to it later on that week or later on that later yeah, later on yeah, in the season. season. So yeah, so it was it was one of those where it's it's again EPA is not a predictive stat. But if you start to see a trend in, in EPA, you can you can kind of start to connect that to fantasy, like farther on down the line, like if the trend continues the whole. See, that's pretty cool because uh, the fact that you use that to write that article about the streamer uh, players, what else do you do at 444 and with your other writings? So for 444, you said you write the streaming quarterbacks. Is there other things that you do there as well? Or is that yeah. your main thing? Um, well, actually, so the story behind that is that I got picked up for four for four uh, because of my interest in writing about weather. So that's where the yeah. analytical portion. So that's the FFWX in my name as fantasy football weather. And oh. that well, that was the part that, that really that really interested me or got me like kind of like into the industry. So like I started writing about weather. This was probably like four ish seasons ago and just talking about its effects on fantasy. And so uh, there was an article written by Brian Burke, who's like the chief an- chief analyst for ESPN. Uh, he wrote an article back in it was like 2012 or 2013 that uh, that it, like the, the the gist of it was that um, adjusted yards per attempt. It like, had a pretty steady drop off, like as you increase in wind speed. But my thing was, okay, well, if that was that's not the end all be all, I figured there had to be quarterbacks that were either above or below, and I wanted to kind of flesh that out a bit more. Uh, so I actually emailed about him, not knowing who he was. I had no idea he was just like this big wig over at ESPN <laughs> or anything like that, or who he was. Like he's essentially like the father of analytics, like uh, Ben Baldwin, nice. Josh. Name, yeah, yeah, Ben Baldwin, Josh Hermsmeyer, all those guys look up to Brian like for just thoughts on analysis Brian and Bird, things yeah. of that nature. And I was just like, well, screw it. Like I just read his stuff, so I'm going to email him about it. Uh, so fast forward like three seasons later, uh, uh, Luis, who's the content manager for Four for Four, he approaches me about a job. He was like, well, yeah, we, we just want to bring you on to just write like a few weather pieces, and that's it. He brings me on and also brings on a guy by the name of Elliot Christ in order to do some research articles. 
Elliot leaves two months later to start TQE, yeah. and that's where they were like, oh, okay, well, we have a spot open. Would you like to do some more research stuff? And I was like, well, I'm actually a research analyst for like my day job, so this kind of fits. Cool. So like, yeah, so we'll, we'll have you like write a few more articles, and then it just kind of blossomed from there. So I thank Elliot for <laughs> leaving to go do his own thing, because I don't think I'd be doing this without that. That's yeah, I know cool. Luis. I've been in leagues with him. He's a good guy, too. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting story. I, I did want to bring up the weather thing. Um, I know we had all these great questions. We could talk to you forever, so I'm glad Mike um, asked about your background so we could get to that, because I think that's just an interesting, really interesting, unique story. Well, let me ask you another thing, then, um, that I actually had a question, and now it's completely... Uh, what round? So, okay, here we go. That's what I was going to ask you. Where do you what think the NFL did? draft does a player have to go in, especially wide receivers, because running backs mm-hmm. are different, but say, yeah. what is your cutoff where you're like, all right, I'm out on that wide receiver. So like last year, Hakeem Butler fell to the fourth uh, round. It was like fourth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fourth, and uh, Calvin Harmon fell to, I, I think, like the sixth. Yeah, um, yeah, it was like mid-fifth, early sixth. Dropped like stones, there. man. Yeah, yeah, and those are two yeah. guys that, okay, not everyone, but at least I'll make a number up. 70% of the Twitter sphere were, were in on um, prior to the, the combines in the draft. So mm-hmm. is there a cutoff round where you're like, I'm just out on this wide receiver? I think it's about there, to be quite honest with you. It's probably around like that fifth round where I'll probably I'll probably reassess like my my original take on them because regardless of how the combine like how they might have looked at the combine or even going back to like their college production I mean mm-hmm. if teams are if if teams have really passed on them to the point where you're looking at uh, a day three like type of pick well then uh, there must be something that we've missed like whether it be uh, like his interviews were poor or something but beso- something behind the scenes that we probably don't know about that I would probably have to reassess like my entire process. But I think it's around like the the fifth round is where I'm just like, I, I really can't, I can't value that player similarly to what I was beforehand. Yeah, it's a little later than me. I think I'm giving up on them after the th- fourth round. I'm done with you at that point. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. It sounded Unless like you almost fourth round of the round. NFL draft. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably a good idea, buddy. Unless you've blown out your knee um, during the right. combine. And they're, you yeah. know, they're like, oh, well, we'll try next year. Maybe this will be his red shirt year. You know, and I'll just ask anyway. Is there a specific round where you just give up on running backs or no? Never. Uh, no, but not really because I think with the – I'm not going to go into like the whole like running backs don't matter thing. But we've seen so many uh, UDFAs like pop up over the last like few seasons that it's hard for me just to be completely out on a running back. Because with the the way that the running back market is, I guess, quote unquote, I would say it's like saturated and it's it's hard for players in order to see the field and kind of get their shot. So I, I'm not I, I would be hard pressed to just be completely out on a guy because even even guys that we completely are more or less left for dead, like over the past couple of seasons, like look at a guy like Benny Snell. I mean, the like the draft process for him was just like it was just absolutely hor- like it was horrific for him. Yet he still found the field like this season. He still had value. So if players like that that we just like almost completely drag through the mud like throughout the draft process can still wind up putting you know putting up some yardage like uh like during the season, then it's hard for me just to be completely out on a running back. It's almost a completely different uh like way of looking at that position as compared it's to wide receivers. Like- 
almost like opportunity is just as great a factor as long as they have like a certain level, um, not necessarily optimal, but a minimum level of um, ability. And they, you know, can learn that how that team plays football, do do what's necessary. And a team like Pittsburgh is convenient for running backs. But Mm -hmm. like you said, then they then the opportunity is really king for a guy like Benny Snell, who's kind of a more of an average running back that you see, you know, several come out every year um yeah i mean look at guys like him i mean we just watched uh both like damien williams like popped again uh kenyon drake like wound up having some value this season Uh, i mean a guy like gus edwards like we were taking a look (laughs) at like when you know mark ingram went Uh down i mean there there's so many guys that just wind up popping just because the opportunity is provided to him whether it be from injury trade or whatever that it's just hard for me to just completely write a guy off because if you look back I mean, even at his either his college production, like might have been okay. Uh, his uh, like his athletic testing was like, oh, if we just kind of give him a, sh- you know, if somebody were to just give him a shot, then sure. you know he might be somebody to hold on to. Now that can wind up backfiring because then you can wind up holding on to guys like Kristen Michael, like myself, and that <laughs> it never works out. But I mean, there there's still enough like positive examples that I think it can wind up working out. Usually, Chris, when we do our show sheet, we have some ideas of what we're going to do, and then we start recording and we go in a totally different direction. So even though though when we spoke to you earlier, we said we were going to talk about startup draft strategy, we started the show with going on to uh, trolling and doing all that other stuff. So one of the those were great questions from Shane. We we generally keep him on a much shorter leash, but you know, (laughs) since it's Wednesday, we decided to get a little loose with things tonight. Chris, let me ask you this: in a startup draft. Do you like to load up on wide receivers or running backs? Uh, me personally, I like to uh, load up on wide receivers. That's just my personal preference. I knew you were going to say that, just based yeah. on what you said about wide receivers before. I mean, that now, was my but guess. I would say though that there is there is a there's something to loading up on running backs, just because at least in from a strategic perspective. Uh, because I know that like finding like those running backs, either the ones that are going to be given a ton of volume, like the Ezekiel Elliott's and like some you know some of those guys that we know are going to receive volume, they're somewhat hard to find. So those guys are that that position or that type of like that subtype in that position is is fairly scarce. So the trade value for them might be fairly high, like within a startup. So I can understand yeah. the idea of trying to load up on running backs or guys that you know have like a higher perceived value at that position, and then trying to move them in order to oh, get yeah. some of the wide receivers that you would want. They, they do. I can, under- I can have understand that perceived that value. Yeah. 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 I, I can I understand that. that. I know. I know, Chris. When we were in Canton doing the the convention, we had discussed about how you were in that one league with Jeremy and I. That was an auction league. Um, and you were saying how that, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look at your face. You were saying oh, how yeah. you were very uncomfortable with that. How that was you, a surprising uh, league. Yeah. How, yeah. how does, how does your draft strategy change when it's an auction as opposed to a snake? Uh, I think it's, I'm, I'm terrible at auctions <laughs> and I think it, that's what you had said that day yeah (laughs) yeah because i think it's easier for me to project it's easier to project volume or not value based off of draft position just because that's what my brain is kind of stuck on so trying to identify value of a player just given a dollar amount and trying to assign like basically going through the same process that most other folks do so trying to assign like percentages like looking at your total budget and then allotting that to players of 
uh, I guess, elite wide receivers or whichever quarter, like whichever position you want to look at and mm-hmm, then kind of working mm-hmm. your way down. So I always wind up like going way too hard on like one or two players. And then for the rest of my the rest of my team just winds up being like two stars and the rest are scrubs. Uh, so that's where the strategy like kind of comes in. And I've tried like different strategies in terms of uh, trying to pick up like trying to pick up players. So maybe waiting for that first wave of elite players to be gone and then picking up some of the guys like mm-hmm. behind that. And it's playing that waiting game has backfired on me. So I've gone in the I've gone the other direction, trying to just like, you know, bid up a number of players, yeah, price and force on that. Every auction is different. And it is the thing that's, really is. that's really troubling. I mean, and people like this, I think, and I find it appealing too, though I don't do a ton of them every year, but it's the fact that until a baseline is set during the first, you know, whatever time frame it is, and you start to see what those values are that people are placing on players, what you you may have done great pre-production planning, but it's all what you're thinking as far as values may be arbitrary until somebody sets a baseline price for the market in, mm-hmm. in the league and you start to see how things go. You might have, okay, they're going to pay this much for CMC or Barkley and and go into it with some research, you know, doing some research, but it, it's still arbitrary to a point because there's no baseline for what people are willing to do. And some people are like that. They're, they go crazy with paying for players. I oh, love yeah. seeing them when they go nuts and overpay for the top guys, because you can do that sort of wait and see, um, you know, hang back and, and just, you know, take your chances and cherry pick a little bit. But if you wait too long, you know, when's the right time to jump in? It's it's fun. That's what that's part of the appeal to me is that it's always always a little bit different than a more predictable snake draft. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that's where I like doing them just for that unpredictability. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I'm the one left holding the bag when it comes to <laughs> you know overpaying for players like missing out on a guy. We or, all do that. You know, uh, trying, to, trying to bid that, you know, one extra dollar, but trying to price and force a player. But then you wind up getting stuck with them because, you know, nobody wants to outbid you. So you're just stuck with paying like, you know. I guess one hundred and fifty dollars for George Kittle on a two hundred dollar budget. Like, okay, great. Like, <laughs> that's sweet. That's a bit much. Yeah, it's just like, oh, okay, sweet. I just screwed myself. I, excellent. I have one good one good player at a onesie position. So I want to okay. circle back to one thing real quick though. Um, so just looking at Michael Thomas's dominator rating, it was a uh, thirty nine point six, which puts him in the eightieth percentile. Um, so maybe not his market share. It was uh, a do, 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 do. I, I, I got to learn how to read Peter's charts. Um, <laughs> I could send him some questions, but his dominator rating was certainly high. So that's something people could have pointed to. But um, yeah. yeah, Christy, that's where your your analytical brain hurts you in yes. uh, auction drafts because there's guys like me that are just like, you know what? I don't give a fuck what I'm supposed to pay on this guy <laughs> or how much I'm going to have left. I'm getting them. Yeah, um, I think it's an equalizer too. the auction auction drafts for people uh, from varying backgrounds, whatever they might favor their drafting style. When you get into an auction, it's kind of an equalization effect for because things don't fall into place like mm-hmm. your predict predictability and ADP and those kinds of things don't happen. And you have a marketplace now. And, and I think that's what helps. Um, if you're savvy, you can almost always come away with a really good roster. Like Chris said, either, you know, if you're not going to go eager, just kind of wait and see and at least not too long, but, but wait and see, and then, and then make your move. Um, well, even I've this, done well I mean, in them well, and I didn't expect to. Right. And, I mean, and the other, the other way you can look at it is even, especially in dynasty auctions, you can walk away with not even a complete roster 
yeah. and just wind up moving assets around in order to get the rest of the pieces that Chill you need. Out the yeah, and, and that's the, the part best. that I just like. It for some reason, it just doesn't connect in my brain because it's just <laughs> yeah. like, okay, well, all right, I've got four or five running backs. So okay, so now I got to get four or five like wide all receivers. Right. So I need like two tight ends. I need two. And so it's just like <laughs> it needs to fit. And if it doesn't fit, then it and it looks funky. Then I'm just like, oh, okay, because well, I've been in a, I co-own a couple of in a couple of leagues with uh, Adam Wildy, my co-host, and we've been in some uh, some auction drafts. I'm like, okay, so we've already got like a couple of running backs, we got a couple of wide receivers, so let's go off this quarterback. And he's like, no. I'm like, why the hell not? Because we don't have one yet. <laughs> and he's like, well, we can get good value on this wide receiver. Right. It's like, well, we already have a wide receiver, so that's wrong. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I'm trying to like argue with him like over this, but it's just you have to understand that it's more about value, not about filling out a roster. I mean, in Dynasty, yeah. obviously, but it's more about like understanding value. Yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that you can play an auction draft as opposed to a snake draft when you're sitting there waiting to see who falls to you. You can mm-hmm. budget your money in a certain way where you can get the players that you need or want. Yeah. Um, you know, how do you, whether it's with an auction or whether it's a snake, how do you value like rookie picks and stuff in a startup? Do you like go for the rookies or do you go for the rookie picks in those startups or do you wait till later? Or? Me personally, I like production. I want production now. So if I can wind up like getting or trying to picking up as many and like veterans is kind of like a loose term because I guess, you know, somebody that's been in the year for been in the league for like two years, three years, I guess is considered a veteran. So I'm not talking about like I'm just going out trying to pick up like Julio, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, like all those other guys. But I try and pick up as many established players as possible because I like what's known. And also like my until the last like maybe two or three years. I haven't paid as much attention to the incoming rookie class, so it's just, okay, well, I understand that they're lottery picks. I don't understand what their situation is going to be, so I'll lean on what I know, and then I'll pick up some of the guys that I know or I can see having, like, positive outcomes, like, in their their careers, like, moving forward. There's always draft picks. There's always draft picks. Next year and the next year, after a startup. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might punt on this year's 2020 picks, but if you don't get rid of your 2021 picks, you really haven't given up much. And then you're going and you're getting guys that have had consistency, guys that have performed. And yeah. so you're not, you know, and, and you're going to wait until 2021 to see that, to, to realize that from most of the 2020 class anyway. So I'm, I'm just like with you, I just don't think you're missing much. I mean, yeah, you're not going to realize, you know, Jerry Judy or CeeDee Lamb down the line or, you mm-hmm. know, you know, these kind of players. But the, there will be those players in the 2021 draft. And in the meantime, you're drawing upon, you know, true uh, NFL starters. So. Right, I, I don't think at I don't the same that time, I mean, right at the same time, those things can backfire on you because I think when like Saquon was coming out, it was just okay. You you had to have you had to have the one on one, like you had to have it, and then the, obviously yeah. that wound up working out for the people that wind up you know mortgaging the next two or three years worth of like first round picks in order to get them. But I mean, at this you know at the same time, it's just it's understand again. I think it goes back to what we were talking about with auctions, understanding not just the value of the player, at least as they are right now, but also what we can project uh, into their I guess near future, like two to three seasons, just based off of the talent that they're able to show in college. Yeah, it's yeah. funny because Jeremy talks about the picks, and we've talked about on the show about you know especially in a startup trading away next year's picks to be able to get players that you can have now. Do you, when we're talking about drafting them, what about trading them? Do you trade your, because some drafts they don't have, you already have the picks before you do the draft. Mm-hmm. Do you like to right. trade your future picks away for the draft right now, like to move up to the first round or something like that? Or do you hold on to those picks during a draft? 
Uh, I've done. I've usually done that where it's just I'll trade away some of my future picks in order to just like make some more current picks so I can pick up some more. Either some, yeah, you know, a couple of guys that let's say if we're in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round of like a startup draft, like somewhere in there, so I can pick up some some younger guys that are like either established or at least have a like in a like the arrows kind of pointing up for them. They're ascending assets. And I'll try and pick up some of those guys right now. So the easiest one I can think of off, off the top of my head, at least from uh, from 2018, was a guy like DJ Moore. I mean, we could already see that the arrow was pointing up for him. Had another another year, at least we thought another year with Cam Newton was ahead of him. So it was just like <laughs> he was a guy that I really wanted to acquire as much as possible. So for him, it was just like, yeah, I'll I'll mortgage like a, you know another like a future pick so that I can try and pick him up like right now. And then, of course, that's one that wind up working out. I mean, the same thing for another guy like Calvin Ridley. Again, saw the arrow pointing up. I mean, he's in a fairly, you know, in a good offense, attached yeah. to a good quarterback. I yep. mean, he wasn't the true number one in that offense because Julio is still there. But still, it was just you could see the arrow pointing up in his talent. So at least for guys like those, I mean, they were the ones that you want to try and pick up as much as possible. I could, I'm fine like mortgaging like future picks for guys like that because cool. again you can see like where they're like they're, where they're at least their short-term career arc is going we don't know what's going to happen four or five six years down sure. the line but at least for both of them yeah i'll mortgage future picks for guys like that all the time just a sidebar it was great calvin ridley with julio jones because it was nice to finally see some talent on the other side of the field so yeah. that there could be some synergy which obviously down the line benefited julio too um in production so i yeah that was just a great situation for fantasy football altogether see yeah just it sucks he got hurt though <laughs> see and one of the things we talk about also on the show is that there's a time and uh, a period of time in the off season as opposed to during the season when to trade picks yeah. so we have um you know even though we were just discussing with you about draft strategies with those picks, we also have some trade alerts here that we would like to talk to you about that, you know, Shane had a big trade where he did something similar to what you just said about DJ Moore, where he traded a bunch of future picks to get DK Metcalf. Um, I did. Yeah. What was that trade you did, Shane? I don't know. Where's it at? <laughs> it's the <laughs> it first trade. one. Trade alert, you buddy. Have it's a, your yeah. trade. Oh, trade, trade alert. Right. Trade alert. Trade. Yes. So I gave up. Oh, and I didn't actually put the numbers in. So I gave up the one. We'll say what's that about the one thirteen. Uh, yeah, one, mine is the one thirteen, and I don't know uh, what old school is. It's like the one ten, the one thirteen, the two twenty six, and the three forty nine. Sixteen. So the, the second rounders are deep. So we'll we'll just say it's the one ten, the one thirteen, and uh, how about the two ten and the three fifteen for uh, the the Metcalf. So Chris, just to let you know, because he didn't buddy. tell you, it's a sixteen team league superflex. But what he I was did, that, yeah, <laughs> deep rosters too. It's tough. But what he did was kind of what you were saying about sending away some picks to get um, a rookie that's you know coming off the the good year. So what do you think mm-hmm. of that trade? I don't hate it. I mean, I, I think that like with DK Metcalf, I think the the one knock and I've seen this across across the industry, like at least over the past couple of weeks since the uh, since Seattle's been knocked out is that, uh, well, one, I mean, Seattle has been like it's been a, a run first offense. Uh, and but two, it we're trying to separate DK Metcalf's rise to rise to fame with the subsequent like injuries to the rest of the to the rest of the Seahawks like a wide receiver crew or just their pass catching crew right 
because like Will Disley, like, like he died like during the during the middle of the season. <laughs> Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, like they died like when they football died. So it was just so what so what was the impetus to really start to pick up Metcalf's like target share? Now while I still think that he's a uh, wonderful talent, like he's a perfect fit for that offense. I know that that's probably the I guess the negative side to looking at it, but I would do that all day long. Because, I mean, Tyler Lockett, like, while he's fine, I mean, he's 27, I believe he's 27 years old. I mean, not, the, like, not a number one, like, he wouldn't be, like, a number one or considered to be a number one, like, wide receiver, since I wouldn't consider him that way. Uh, so I think there's room for, I think there's plenty of room for somebody like DK Metcalf to, to assume that role. And kind of looking at, I mean, since we were talking about it, looking at his market share, I mean, he was hitting like highs of like 30, 26%, 27% market share, like over the back half of the season. And that's what you want, like out of a wide receiver one. And so if you're, I mean, if you're hitting those levels of market share and you're attached to one of the most, like uh, one of the most efficient passers, like in the league, sure. I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably want to try and get a piece of that as much as possible. Absolutely. I mean, especially at his age, I mean, we've only got probably let's say two more years of you know Lockett being able to do what he does he could go longer depending on you know his health and whatnot but we've already seen how that has worked out for him this past season so yeah I, I don't mind that trade at all well part of the reason and, I brought it up well Shane I was just going to say part of the reason I brought it up to you is because of what you said you do in, in during a startup draft with trading away those picks but now that we're into the offseason we're what two months away from the NFL draft. Do you do that stuff now as well? Do you hold on to your picks? Like, do you wait till the uh, combine or do you wait till some other things or do you try to move some of the stuff now while the, the hype is starting to build? I think now would kind of be the time to try to try and do something like that. But you can use events just like you were talking in order to like kind of gin up some of that, uh, some of that hype for some of those players. So you might, I do, I honestly do believe that around the combine time, you might see folks like, because you're, I mean, give it a couple more weeks and you're going to see nothing but clips or highlight clips of uh, Judy. You're going to see highlight clips of Jefferson. I mean, all, I mean, Gandy Golden. I mean, all of those prospects that people are talking about now, like down at the Senior Bowl, and it's just going to be highlight reel after highlight reel. And once the combine hit, it's it's going to be whoever runs the fastest 40 time, that's going to be all over the place. So once you're seeing, and like, especially in the dynasty community, like those guys, they're going to come on Twitter and that's all they're going to see yep. is retweets of three cone retweets of, <laughs> you know, 40 times. I mean, cause I mean, we saw everybody freak out over the DK Metcalf three cone thing. So, I mean, just think about what's going to happen this year with so many like decent wide receiver prospects that are in, in the 2020 class. So yeah, use that to your advantage. So if you can wind up, you know, moving some of those picks because, because some guys are just like, yeah, I want to get that guy. Yeah, like Judy, like Ceedee Lamb, I want to get those guys. Okay, well that's fine. Like, what do you want to pay for that? What do you want to pay for this pick? Like, I've got the 105. What do you want? Yeah, you know, it was so the 112 and the 113. Is that what it was? And I, yeah, 112 and 113. Which, yeah, honestly, the obviously the 113 would be a 201 in <laughs> a, a normal. Yay. I did that last and, week, uh, Chris. I did that last week, Chris, and Shane didn't know what I was talking about. But go ahead. So <laughs> that's and, applied yeah. math. Thank you. I applied mathematicals. Awesome. And looking. So DLF had an article and a series of them. They're going back and looking at uh, ranking the draft picks throughout the decade. Uh huh. Um, and one of the ones they already did. They did one twelve, one eleven, and one ten. Um, looking at one twelve. Um, the best player this decade would have been Cortland Sutton. 
Oh. Um, Kyler Murray would have come in at second. And then their third best, the third best pick of the decade of the 2010s, David Njoku. Wait, wow. are you talking about yeah. for Dynasty, like as a Dynasty yeah, yeah, yeah. draft? Yeah, okay. Dynasty League football. Yeah, yeah. So he went through, yeah, yeah. He went, uh, I think it was Ryan, he went through uh, the last 10 years, uh, rookie drafts, and, you know, look at the ADP for them. Right. Um, and the third best 112 pick was David Njoku. Wow. And then after that, he had oh, his number, that. Yeah. Yeah, number four, Brandon LaFell. <laughs> huh. Oh, wow. Ronnie Hillman at five, <laughs> Philip Dorsett at six. Cody Latimer at seven, uh, Leonto <laughs> Carew, who was a metrics darling, um, uh-huh. at eight, Delon- Delone Carter, um, who I actually had to look up and make sure was running a back? real person. Pulse running back, who was he? Yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and Jonathan Franklin um, oh, from Green Bay, if anyone remembers him, because I, I do. Um, it was the number 10. So there's legitimately yeah. two really good players on that list and one, uh, he still has some upside. So that's like a, we'll give it a 25% hit rate. So that goes okay. back so to what we were saying before, plenty of times in the last two years is move some of those picks, whether they're late first oh, rounds yeah. or whatever, and, move and the get Joker some esta- established players. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Chris, where can mm-hmm. our listeners find all your information and all your articles and everything? Uh, find me on Twitter, at Chris Allen, FFWX. Uh, most of my, during the off season, I would say 90% of my stuff will be on 444. Because they they allow me to do more like researchy type stuff, like 2,000 words, you know, just kind of let your hair down and just like plow Love through that. as much data as possible and oh, all that. Great. And that's just that's just my style. Like I know a lot of folks prefer like seeing like long tweet threads with like cool visuals and all that. And I try and incorporate <laughs> that as much of those into my articles as possible. But I, I'm I'm a writer at heart, so that's I like just the that, way Chris. That's, that's just my preferred you, medium. So I'll you'll find most of my stuff over on Four for Four, uh, doing some. Uh, like short videos and stuff for DLF and all that, but most of the stuff that I was talking about here tonight, in terms of like questions I want to have answered, all that like all the written stuff will be on four four four. That's cool. Everybody check out Chris at uh, the website and on Twitter. And you know we do our Patreon show. And by the way, we've we've talked about so much stuff tonight. We still have a lot of stuff left on the show sheet to talk to you about. Uh, do you mind sticking around with us and? be on our Patreon show and talk about some of that stuff that we didn't get to on the show tonight. Absolutely, man. All right. That's great. So yeah, Shane, you know, tell everybody about our Patreon account and then we'll wrap everything up and then we'll go to the Patreon show. Uh, yeah, go be a patron. Cause you get a bonus episode, a uh, podcast every week, uh, come hell or high water. Um, there's no iguanas falling out of the sky that are going to stop us from, <laughs> You are a patron episode every week. You get the uncensored episode of this show, um, which is quite good from what I hear. Um, you get the group me chat where we talk. I'm pretty quiet today. I'm not going to lie to you. There's only been like 15 messages, but generally it's just uh, going off all the day. Like your phone's vibrating like, uh, I don't know, like a vibrator. Yeah, that's the thing that vibrates. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, we'll use that. The, yeah, the HQ1 yeah. Listener League uh, thread was more involved today. It was jumping because we had 86 trades with a, a new person. And also, if you're not a patron, I'm not going to let you get in our Listener Leagues. Um 
No, but that's like, not true. Cool. Well, we're gonna have we are gonna have a new listener league HQ three. And by the way, I live down here in South Florida, and it is true. It was forty degrees, and the iguanas were falling out of the trees around here. Um, they're not was 40 so don't, don't No, they're not dead. Moves. No, they they freeze sure. and they get stunned and they it's fall out of the tree. Yeah. Um, wow. But uh, and and it happens everywhere. You see it all over around here. Um, uh, and then Jeremy, you wanted to tell people about our store, and then we'll wrap everything up. Yeah, absolutely. You can always buy your HQ swag, your silly Shane sayings like um, Trash Dynasty Trade Offer right on the front of them at our store, dthq.storeenvy.com, and that's dthq.storeenvy.com. Shirts, mugs, hats, stickers, all of it. Check it out and uh, see us personally for a discount. And then go like they're gonna come see us. Yeah, they're gonna see yeah. us. And then check out our uh, <laughs> check out our <laughs> podcast on iTunes uh, at Dynasty Trades HQ. And also, hey, we got a new five star review on iTunes this week, Shane. We fucking did. And, it was your um, mom, dude. I think she, re- no, she really likes it. No, it wasn't show. his mom. My mom wouldn't listen to this fucking garbage. <laughs> um, so it came from Buddha Edwards. Shout out, homie. Gave us a five star. Loves this podcast and looks forward to it every episode. The guys have a great time talking Dynasty and it's fun to hear. I got to be honest with you, though, Buddha. I'm faking it most of the time. Uh, (laughs) I think people know. It's not (laughs) only funny games, though, as the content is really great. And that part's true. Yeah. um, Mostly because of me. I especially get educated on trade values and get the ideas for deals I'd like to make. So shout out. Thank you, Buddha. We appreciate it. If you haven't given us a a rating and review, please do so. Because as I've uh, made the analogy before, we're like Tinkerbell. When she doesn't get her applause, she dies. If we don't get our ratings and reviews, we die. We're not. Thanks for the rating and the review. That was great. Yes. Um, I actually think I had Buddha on my IDP league once. Um, Thanks for being on my team, buddy. Cool. Thanks, Buddha, for the review. All right, great. We're going to go do uh, a Patreon. And uh, thanks for listening. And say goodbye, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. And we'll see you next Bye. week. Bye. Bye.